0: Into the world to seek and save us, to redeem us. Um, I I am very familiar that the word Christmas break is supposed to be B R E A K. I was learning this week, uh, you know, when you substitute teach, you relearn school, you know, and there's a $20 word that I have forgotten about, homonym. I think I said that right. I hope so, because the fourth graders would be in trouble if not. Uh, but, uh, homonym, you know, the word that sounds the same, but may have different meanings or spelled differently or whatever, but Christmas break. I I was thinking about our Christmas series and um, what we could do to encourage one another. And uh, to me, the favorite moment of my life, uh, you know, everything's kind of cyclical in the calendar year. You kind of do the same things and Um, My least favorite time is like the first couple weeks of August because I still want to be in summer, but school's starting, and it's a complete madhouse and crazy and insane. I love pretty much all of summer and having the kids around, but the time that I have always loved the very most is that two, three-week time frame, Christmas break, where you're home from school, and, you know, in northern Michigan, there's always a, a... a bounty of snow to play with and enjoy and there's time with friends, there's time, uh, you know, in high school we would go out to Days Hill. Now, Days Hill doesn't mean anything to you. It was affectionately called Suicide Hill and there was a well-worn path of all of the uh, kids uh, from Kalkaska, we would all go out there. It's essentially our Chapel Hill, only Chapel Hill is kind of like, a well, it's just a little wimpy. Compared to uh, Suicide Hill on days on days uh, on day road, and we would all go out there, and it was the most amazing thing because everyone would go out there and they'd bring their snowmobiles with them, and I grew up maybe in a hillbilly town because we would take car hoods and. You would strap it on the back of the snowmobile, and you could haul everybody you know all your buddies up on the car hood up with the snowmobile because the worst part of sledding we all agree is the trip back up right well, we eliminated that with a with a you know a pretty hillbilly situation, but you would have hopped right in on it, I know uh but this uh this time frame this moment to me is a gift to us uh. And now as a parent and with my own children uh, and just being able to spend time with family, being able to uh, to enjoy presence and enjoy time together with friends and family, a break from the busy routine of uh, just going through your weekly schedule, but just taking moments to say, you know, we don't have to go shopping. We got everything we needed, right? And it's just that, that window. And as I have studied, um, as I've, studied and just tried to understand Sabbath a little bit, uh, to understand rest, I believe Jesus is inviting us to a sort of perpetual Christmas break, and here's what I mean by that. I believe Jesus is inviting us to enjoy rest and enjoy him. That part of what has gone wrong in our world is some of the busyness that uh, Rich was alluding to and some of the loudness that uh, Megan was alluding to, the part of the problem is, is that we haven't taken a moment to really slow down and rest and enjoy Jesus. That to enjoy Sabbath is to enjoy family. To enjoy Sabbath is to enjoy God. To enjoy Sabbath is to enjoy all that God has provided for us. And I say this realizing that maybe Christmas break wouldn't be how you would name this sermon series. And I realize that it's pretty much my perception. That not everyone can share and say, yeah, Christmas break was awesome for me, and I share your memories. Maybe quite a few of you do, but many probably not. Mom and dad both working and not able to be home with you, so you just stayed home. Or um, not really having much to share together. And what I, believe, what I believe about Jesus is, is that he came to seek and save us, that we might be set free from all of the slavery that we've been held captive to, that we might enjoy one another, that we might enjoy God's blessings. I've been thinking about what I want this sermon series to be for us this Christmas season. And um, for some of you, I, I think I can illustrate it this way. I hope that this sermon series, by the end of it, you feel like you just uh, you were able to snuggle up with your blanket and a hot cocoa uh, or coffee or whatever uh, your drug of choice is there, and and you've just watched a marathon of Hallmark movies. Like that's what I want this series to be for you is that wonderful feeling. There's only five women nodding their heads with me. Um, For the guys, you know, I I hope that this sermon series just lets you feel like it's okay to have a break. That all of the work and all the things you do to provide and care for and love your family, that it's okay. And whatever that is for you, some of you guys, it might be 10 hours out in the shop and getting some things done. Others of you uh, might be just being that feeling of just being able to, you know, Put on your shirt that your wife has been trying to throw out for the last 20 years and just enjoy, enjoy just being restful in yourself. Um, Just taking a moment, for me, it's it's taking those moments to just look outward and reflect on Christ. I hope the series can be a comfort to you, an encouragement that it's okay to rest. It's okay to find your place in Jesus and know that you have enough in him. And so Sabbath may seem like a strange topic to cover, but we're going to cover it all of December and even into the new year because I have felt inspired by a couple of different things in my walk of just praying about what's next for us. And as we study the Spirit, I think that we need to take the time to enjoy the Spirit. And Sabbath is all about making the room and making the time to enjoy it. Uh, Making time to enjoy Jesus and all that he's given us. And so I believe Sabbath is a gift. And um, like all gifts, some of them get used and some of them get stored away and we don't always use them. I think that I am an exceptional gift giver. Wendy doesn't agree, but, you know, I've given quite a few bad gifts over the years, none as bad as Dick Stouter to his wife, Janet, who got a mop and a bucket one, uh, one Christmas or birthday, birthday, Christmas, anniversary, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, uh, it was an anniversary and it was amazing there were anniversaries after that, but, uh. I wasn't that bad, but I, I gave Wendy a paper shredder once. I mean, that's pretty—that's pretty nice gift, you know. It's thoughtful. She was complaining about all the papers around the house that we had to get rid of. It's like, well, here's a paper shredder. Get to work. Uh, I know, ladies, I'm taken. The uh, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Okay. So, I have improved. I have improved. I gave my wife a trip to see her best friend in Mexico. I had to take it away, but then we got it back. Um, and so we're we're going to do that. But uh, I feel like I'm improving. So I'm a, I am feel like I'm improving in my gift giving. The thing that I really need to improve on is actually my gift receiving. Do you ever get a gift that you're kind of like, oh, gee, thanks? When we first moved here... Bless your hearts. Uh, you know, Wendy and I, bless your hearts is something you say before you, you know you're going to you know, be mean, right? Um, but you guys thought of a pantry shower, which is ex- incredibly thoughtful to uh, essentially a poor college student just moving here. And you guys are like, this kid needs something to eat. And, uh, and so you had a pantry shower for us. Well, that was great, but then you made me open all of the pantry items in front of you. And some of it was great, like peanut butter, woohoo. I can get excited about that, but then I think I think, and she's not here to refute it. It was Jean Price gave us like five year old like canned yams, and it was just like, "Oh, thanks, you know it's like what do you, I don't know I still don't know what you do with canned yams do you eat that like you know And uh, so I just totally did a terrible job receiving that gift. I know it was bad, and I felt totally awkward and ridiculous, and it, you know, it's really made an impression on me ever since. But at last Christmas, I was doing so well at uh, trying to think of the great gift for, uh, for Wendy's family. We all draw names. And... You know, so I was really trying to be thoughtful. We all email each other, and we say what our favorite candy is, our favorite restaurant, and we get to we say things like, we enjoy doing this, and this is what I need and what I want. So I'm like, you know, I got my one person. I'm zeroing in. It's like, I'm going to get this for him, and I felt like I found the perfect gift. So, of course, I mean, I'm a detailed guy. I don't want anybody to screw it up, and I say, you know, I don't want candy yams again. So I... I send out my list and I forget what I put on it. And um, really, really thoughtful. And uh, and this is what I got. I still haven't used it. It's called the Illumable. Um, it's a motion-activated toilet nightlight. <laughs> this wasn't the white elephant time. This was the thoughtful we, you know we're thinking of you and this is what you need time I got the Illumable. you know it's like i have felt awkward in the beaver's family a couple of times one one is when they were all like uh, playing their musical instruments and i'm in the corner like what what on earth is happening and then there was this moment and i got to tell you it took all that was in me to be like thanks this is what i wanted this christmas like i didn't know i did i didn't know I needed this, but you know i don't know if it was an indictment on never mind but uh the illumable uh it's gonna make a white elephant uh trip this christmas season um i haven't used it you know it's surprising yeah surprising features though no more blinding midnight lights i've stumbled into that quite a few times, you know uh missing and making a mess and my personal favorite, there's no more falling into open toilets. Uh, <laughs> amazing. The Illumable, you you probably saw it on Shark Tank, but uh, if you have one, you know, you can share your testimony on the family page. Uh, why share that, but other than to say that... Uh, We've been given a gift and we we don't always know how to use it. We've been given um, a precious gift in Christ, and we don't really know how to embrace it and to use it in our life, and we look at it and we wonder why do we even need that? We all have gifts that we've been given that you know they're maybe as embarrassing and silly as this thing is. But there are, uh, we would be wise to open ourselves to this gift of rest. Open ourselves to this gift that God is trying to give us and it's been a part of creation from the very beginning. When I start using the word Sabbath, we already our mind already starts moving towards legalism. How do we do it? When do we do it? What can we do? What can't we do? And I want to just ask of you, beg of you, to just press pause on your brain for a moment and just hear what God's trying to do for us. From the very beginning in his creation, we know the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it took God six days to create. And on the seventh day, what does God do? But he rests. And it's not God resting because he can't keep working. And here's the thing that I just learned, and I, it's like one of those moments where it's like, holy cow, why didn't I ever pay attention to that? What day is mankind created? The sixth day. You guys are passing Sunday school class. This is good. Okay, so man was created on the sixth day, and God rested on the seventh. The very first day of sun up to sundown that man experienced rest of God. I just read that from A.J. Swoboda uh, in the study in preparation for this and I was like, holy cow, I've never thought about that. But if if you would just take a moment and consider that we are to live our lives out of the rest of God. And I think so much of our life it feels like we are trying to earn the rest. And God starts his creation with the gift of rest. The more time I have spent thinking about my own mental health, my own anxiety, my own uh, walking through depression and understanding myself. The greatest gift God gives us is rest. Living my life out of the posture of trusting in God and trusting in His provision. Trusting that there's enough in Him. And man, the anxiety levels just start to go way, way down. And it's not just sort of like positive thinking things or anything like that. It's just simply taking the moment to enjoy and to know that God is offering us peace and rest in his provision, that we have enough in him, that we would live our lives out of this posture. God, he has his people. If we look at Genesis 1, but then we fast forward to, uh, to the book of Exodus. Uh, God, at this point, is trying to get the Israelites, his people, living in his plan and his ways. And they have spent all of their lives in slavery. And they would get the sense that they are slaves and the work that they do is brick making. And in Exodus chapter 5, over and over again, we see Pharaoh bearing down on the Israelites saying, make more bricks and keep, uh, keep working hard. In fact, we're going to make it even more difficult for you. We're going to take away the straw so that uh, you have to go and get it yourselves, and we still expect you to meet your quota. Maybe you live in a factory environment. Maybe you lived in data analysis, and the word quota, quota to you or making you the business numbers reach what they need to be. Maybe that starts rising the sort of like anxiety within you where you have to meet the benchmarks that have been put in front of you. And the Israelites have known nothing but meeting their benchmarks for the last 500 years, 400 years, and and God is calling them out of this. And he's saying, no more brick making. No more quotas, no more benchmarks. I want you to know that you have enough in me. And the way God teaches the Israelites that they have enough in him is by giving them Sabbath. And he said, every day when you guys wake up and they're wandering in the wilderness, and this is Exodus chapter 16, every day they're waking up and they're wandering in the wilderness and God says to them, go out and gather for yourselves manna from heaven and get as much as you need. And by the afternoon it's going to be gone. Get up and get around and get what you need and trust me. Some of them did and some of them didn't. Some gather up way more than they needed and they're going to store up for themselves, some for tomorrow, and they do just what they've always done, storing up for tomorrow, and it would all rot away. God would keep telling them, Would you trust in me for this moment? Trust in me this day and know that there's enough for you today. there is enough for you, that you don't have to gather more, and you don't have to keep going and going and going and reaching the benchmarks and reaching the quotas. If you would just gather enough for yourself today, you would know that I am providing for you. And he tells them and he teaches them in Exodus 16, he says, in in anticipation of the Sabbath, On that one day, I want you, the day before, I want you to gather up a little bit more for the next day, and it will carry over. God is providing a way for them to know and experience and trust in God's presence and his provision. God is enough. He would teach them in Exodus 20, in the Ten Commandments, in the Ten Commandments, the opening commandments, they are all about their posture towards God. Will they be fully committed to Him? Will they fully trust Him? Will they not use His name in vain? Will they love Him and worship Him only? Having no other gods, and then the transition, the transition is the Sabbath. And then after the Sabbath, it's all about how we treat others. I'm convinced that Sabbath is smack dab in the middle of the commandments because God wants us to live out of a posture of rest in recognition of our relationship to Him so that we might might have better relationships with people in our lives. That if we would rest in Him and know that He loves us and cares for us, that our lives are fully devoted to Him, then I might be better able to love and care for the people around me in my life central to our lives in God is resting in Him and taking time to slow down and enjoy Him. How do you slow down and enjoy Jesus? And here's a harder question. If you have kids, how do your kids slow down and enjoy Jesus? Are you teaching your children to slow down and enjoy Jesus? I don't know that I have up to this point. I've helped them figure out how not to bother me. Have I taken the time to show them how to love him? And maybe I'm being a little too self-deprecating. I mean, I'm not the worst. How do you take time for Jesus to enjoy him? And I know that our brains hurry along and we think about all of the legalistic things. When do you have Sabbath? How do you do it? What don't you have? What do you have? How far can you go? Do you go to restaurants on a Sunday or do you take the Chick-fil-A approach? When do you take time to slow down want to throw all of these rules at it, and it undermines, I think, the gift. Legalism just sort of sucks the joy out of a gift that's being given to us, to, that's saying to us it's perfectly fine to say the word no. It's perfectly fine and okay for you to say no. I really, truly love and appreciate uh, a minister. He was a minister foremost, and he became an author and speaker later. His name's Eugene Peterson, and he, he wrote a book called The Contemplative Pastor. And I'm going to let you in on a little trade secret, and I don't want you to hold it against me, all right? But he says in the book that one of the things that he learned early on was to put an appointment with God at least for a four-hour time frame once a week. And he, that time was a uh, time for him to pray and to spend time with God. And he had to do that because people would come up to him. And before he learned to do this, they would say, well, would you help us with this? And he would say, no, that's the time that I'm going to pray with God. And they would say to him, no, you can pray to God later. We need your help here. And so that happened to him enough times that the people were demanding of his schedule that he just started saying, I'm going to put an appointment with God at this time every every week. And this is what he learned to say. No, I'm sorry, I can't help you then. I have an appointment. And people stopped intruding on him. They stopped, because no one was going to question the integrity of it. But isn't it an indictment on our own selves that, time with God could be something rescheduled later but an appointment, well that sounds important there was nothing more important to Eugene than that moment and that time within his week to spend time with God and not to just push it away I have much to learn from him and I continue to read and try and be a better minister that way that I would take time to enjoy Christ not as a work thing, not as an extra thing, but that I would just enjoy Him. And what I mean by Sabbath being the gift of being able to say no, you get to say no to things and make room and slow down so that you can experience and enjoy Jesus Christ. And I believe that's the fundam- one of the fundamental gifts that we are given in Christ is that we can say no and we can slow down and spend time with Him. I wrote down a a series of questions within within, uh, your sermon notes. How do you use this gift? It gets unused because we just don't seem to want to open it. We don't want to embrace the fact that we might need rest. I've listened to ministers, and they're absolutely foolish. They say, well, the devil doesn't take a day off, so I'm not going to. Really, is that your role model? Is that the guy you want to follow for your ministry advice? Go right on ahead, right? You would fully expect me to take a day of rest, do you? Conversation, it means a conversation with your family and your church family. What gives you rest and enjoyment? What helps you take time to enjoy God and His presence? Do you know what helps your children have time with God and enjoy Him? How can Sundays become more restful for you? Is there a different day in the week that would work better for you and your family? Are you too busy with extracurriculars that it's impossible to have a day of rest? When do you get to relax to enjoy God, enjoy His presence, and enjoy Him? make it about what you can't do but what you have space now to enjoy and this is all rooted in the fundamental conviction that christians we believe christ has given us everything that jesus has accomplished the greatest of works that we might find rest and enjoyment in him that we may finally sit and rest in his strength and find our deepest joy and sincere satisfaction in Christ has opened up the way that we don't have to earn our salvation. Our salvation is given us. Jesus has opened up the way that we have the provision and love and grace and mercy of God before us. Do you enjoy His rest? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And uh, we ask, God, that you please guard our hearts from from legalism, of looking at this uh, series and time together about a list of rules of what we can and can't do to manage a relationship with you. God, let us simply just see one step at a time how slowing down and turning our eyes and our hearts and our attention towards you would be good. God, we learned of your spirit and how good it is and now we want to be open to it. Open to what you would say to us, how you would lead us in our lives, and how you would care for us as a community. So, God, we, we just take a moment to pause now. Help us to see where our world is caving in on us. Caving in on our time with you. us and help us to see you, and to love you, walk with you in our lives. Love you, Lord, it's in Jesus. Amen. I, uh, I ran a 5K race once, one time. Uh, maybe a couple times. But uh, the first time I was in college, I was, you know, I was a really, you know, great college eater you know I mean I took full advantage of the eating plan three square meals times two you know uh, so I wasn't really in 5k shape but a girl asked me to run a 5k and it wasn't Wendy uh, but you know when a, a cute girl asks you to do something sometimes you're just kind of like yeah sure you know uh, especially when you're a college young man and uh, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll run the 5K race with you." And it was the Dino Dash in East Lansing. It supported the uh, the museum, you know, something I really cared about. And uh, and so I I found out a week before that we were going to do this race. And i was like, uh, "Okay." So I like I trained uh, through the week, and it got time for the race and. You know, I was standing next to her, and I was like, we're going to do this together, right? You know, she just bolted. And I was just like, okay, I guess I'm in this on my own. And I'm running along, running along, and, uh, you know, the mile marker one, there's a water station, and I'm dying. And so I just stop, and I drink the water, and I'm just standing there for, like, a minute or two. And people are, like, staring at you, like, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm taking a break, you know? then I run to the next watering station and I stop it was at like mile mark or two and I stopped there for a while and people are like you know you can keep running right yeah I'm not gonna do that you know and I'm just taking my refreshment and then you know at the end of the race there was bagels and I was you know it was glory and it, it was awesome you know I stayed around for a while took two or three but That story is actually the reason why Wendy fell in love with Matt. Um, I don't know why, but uh, it was funny. We live in a world that tells us that we can find refreshment while we're running. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was saying something to the world that we need to give pause to our lives and find refreshment. Take a moment and say, what do we enjoy in Jesus? What do we have? I promise you if you would find rest and just find these windows where you take time to listen to God. He will find you and he will meet you and he will bless you and he will encourage you and he will fill your spirit. And he will let you know that you are loved and you are treasured by him. God is offering us rest.